With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League Draft. And with the first round, pick, John Elway, Jim Kelly. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round, pick, Dan Marino and Bruno. NFL Draft. And with the first round, pick, Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would ask for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL Draft. Good young players. The draft's all about. You're in and you're out. Welcome back to the draft. Wide receivers, running back, tackle, quarterback. Every year in the draft. Welcome to the offseason, Cowboys Nation. We're here, maybe a little earlier than expected, but uh, we're going to get the ball rolling here. A lot to talk about this offseason. We got the draft, we've got free agency coming up. Who knows what's going to happen on that side of things? But we'll start with the draft, and we'll start with no other way to kick off the offseason than with our own Dane Brugler of The Athletic, The Athletic Prospects, The Pros Podcast, and our own. Resident draft guru here, of course, author of The Beast. He releases that every year, the best draft guide in the game. He'll be doing that this year as well, and that's included with a subscription to The Athletic. So if you're not subscribed, get over to theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys and subscribe because you're going to want Dane's draft guide when that comes out, The Beast. But uh, yeah, welcoming in Dane Brugler from, uh, from Prospects of Pros, old draft show buddy. Uh, with uh, Father John Mashoda and KT Turner. And KT, you and I and Dane spent many, many a 15-hour days covering the draft, uh, you know, doing live radio for the draft. And, you know, some of my favorite memories uh, covering s- sports is, you know, those times. So it's great to have the band back together, so to speak. And I, K- KT, I know you've been uh, already diving into this year's prospects, so this will be good. Absolutely, man. And uh, it's great to have you, Dane. Uh, Dane and, and Lance Zerline on Prospects to Pros is, is must-listen uh, each week as well. and So hopefully uh, you're all checking that out. Um, you know, I know John's going to have a lot of questions as well. You know, I think I, I would kind of start off here uh, because the Cowboys picking 10th. This is uh, this might seem like an odd question when you're picking 10th, but I think it's, it's somewhat possible. Who is the best defensive player in this draft? Starting off with the good ones. All right. Uh, That's tough, right? <laughs> well, yeah, it is because I, there's not a clear-cut Chase Young. There's not a, you know, Miles Garrett. There's not a true answer to that that's just, you know, clear and obvious, I think. And, and you you could probably go team by team and they, you get a different answer. Some might say Micah Parsons. Some might say one of these corners, whether it's Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertan. Um, you know, the, these pass rushers are... Some are some of them are promising, but it's hard to fall in love with them. I, you know, Quid, I like Quiddy Pay a lot. I don't love Quiddy Pay. Uh, I like Aziz Ajilari a lot, but I necessarily don't love him as a prospect. I mean, if you have to twist my arm and just you know who's the best defensive player in this draft, it comes down to Parsons and Caleb Farley for me. Um, I think you know Michael Parsons is a height, weight, speed freak. Um, he's still learning how to play the position, which is. 
really more of a compliment to how good of, of a player he is right now, but also what he could be uh, down the road, uh, both as a linebacker, as a pass rusher, as a just a do-everything guy, uh, can be a cornerstone to your defense. Uh, but with Caleb Farley, and it, it's ironic that both these guys are opt-outs, uh, but with Caleb Farley, you've got a guy who is uh, has the size. He's 6'2", 205. He's going to run in the four fours. He's a high school quarterback who uh, moved to wide receiver at Virginia Tech, then they moved him to corner. He's only played the position two years. He opted out of this year. So, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, asterisks there in terms of, you know, framing the type of player that he is. But, uh, you know, what do we talk about with the draft? It's not, you're not drafting players, you're drafting traits. You're, you're drafting things that you want to develop that you can coach up. And, you know, you know, you're not drafting the player that they are now. You're drafting what you think they're going to be a year from now and, the, and for the long term. So both those players, I think, have Pro Bowl potential. And so this is not a year with a clear-cut top defender in the top five. But my answer to, to that question would probably be either Parsons or Farley. All right, so let's let's go to corner real quick because I really feel like that is that makes the most sense for them if they stay at ten. So it seems like as of right now, it'd be Farley versus Sertan, and so you you prefer Farley, but I was just I want to get your take on Sertan just because of obviously his bloodlines, and then the other thing is too is just the fact that he didn't have he doesn't have like the big interception numbers, but then you have the people that'll say like if you watch the Notre Dame game, they'll talk about how. Well, a lot of teams don't throw at him. I mean, I thought it was interesting that they said uh, during the during the playoff game that Brian Kelly said to uh, I can't remember who was calling the game. It might have been Herb Street and them in the meetings that like we're not throwing at Sertan. We will not. He will not be targeted or whatever. But then I hear that he doesn't have the speed and the things like that. But then I'm kind of like, well, then why is he still considered top ten? And then you got then then you got the other side of it where you're like. Man, I really like guys that come out of Alabama, especially at defensive back, because they've been coached up by Nick Saban, and obviously Saban loves him because he plays him all the time. So, like, how should we feel about Patrick Sertan? I I, I do like Sertan a lot. Um, he is so technically refined as a college corner, and really, when you think about it, it, it shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, c- considering who his dad is, uh, you know, a longtime Pro Bowler uh, at corner in this league, uh, he also coached him in high school. Um, so he's really been groomed for this for a long time. Uh, he started as a, a true freshman uh, for for Nick Saban at Alabama. So that says something right there, just how polished he was coming out of high school. Um, it, there's there's a lot to like about him as as an athlete. He he has good foot athleticism, um, range, ball skills. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't panic downfield. That's something I really like about his game. A lot of times with these corners. You know, it's uh, when balls get thrown their way, they will panic and grab or just, you know, uh, attract attention because of uh, just the, the way that they're they look out of sorts when the ball's coming. Not Sertan. I mean, he is under control. He consistently stays balanced. He stays in phase. Um, I, I I think he's probably going to run the four fives. He's not an elite speed guy. Um, that doesn't mean that I wouldn't take him in the top 15. I would. Absolutely. Maybe top 10. Uh, because I, uh, the game seems to be slower for him. Um, I, I think it, it's because of his experience, his, the, the way he trusts his technique, the, the confidence that he plays with. Um, love the way he looks for the ball. Very alert versus the run, even though he's not uh, doesn't have great play strength. He has good play strength. 
Um, I, but overall, when you look at it, the main knocks on him, uh, he doesn't have elite long speed, um, and he's not an overly twitchy player. He's more smooth than twitchy, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but it does lower his margin for error. So if he makes a misstep, it's a little tougher for him to recover and get back in phase. Um, so, you know, the, but these are nitpicks. He's just a really good player. I, I think if you're, if you're the Cowboys and you're sitting, you're at the 10th pick, Sertan, he's staring you in the face. Uh, that that's not too early to draft a player like this. And then, so real quick, I just want to get one follow up on that KT. Um, so over the last five years, there's been three corners taken in the top five with Jalen Ramsey, Denzel Ward, and Jeffrey Okuda last year. Right. Are Farley and Sertan just like on a next level down for them? Or like like if they were if those guys were in this draft, would it be like, okay, well, those guys are clearly on this tier, they're the next tier down, or could they be in that same type of class? I mean, I think Jalen Ramsey's probably on a tier by himself. Um, and then I think there's that next tier where you have Denzel Ward, Okuda, and I think Farley could be in there. The thing with Farley that's just is so tough is, you know, we didn't see him this year at all because he opted out and he has, he just doesn't have a lot of experience at the position. So you're betting on upside and that's, it's, it's, it's difficult when you do that, but that's, that's part of scouting. That's part of the evaluation process. Um, so I do think Farley, I, and I do think Sertan could be in that mix where you talk about Denzel Ward, Okuda, you know, throw maybe like a CJ Henderson in that mix. Farley and Sertan, I, I don't think that they're Jalen Ramsey level players, but I do think they could be on that next tier, yeah. You know, it, what's real interesting is, you know, I have Farley graded just ahead of Sertan, but it's close. But I almost feel like Sertan might be a better fit across from Trevon Diggs. And maybe you just take a good player and that's just like, hey, I evaluated the best one and I draft the best one. But like when I have in my notes on Patrick Sertan, like calm, like he's kind of a calming effect when running down the field. As you kind of said, the game just is a little slower for him. With Farley, there are times where it does appear to be a little more frantic down the field. Uh, maybe an emergency grab here or there that you might see, but you also see him, you know, closing in and and making plays on on balls in the air that you're like, wow, he got that he got that far over to make that play on the ball, and you're just kind of in awe of it. And I, I just wonder, I know how the Cowboys have, have thought over the years, and I know it's changed since Jason Garrett has been gone. There's a couple things I like about Sertan that I don't know about with Farley because we didn't see Farley play this year, like with Sertan. I watched a couple of games from 2019, and like I've, you notice him a little better tackler on the 2020 tape. And I remember Nick Saban on that Bill Belichick and Nick Saban documentary. Nick Saban's just talking about Belichick. They're both talking about so with secondary guys. Just give me guys who can tackle. I want guys who can tackle on my defense. And I was like, you know what? He's, he's turned into a pretty good tackler, you know, based on you know the 2020 tape. And I, I like that. I, I sh- when it comes to you and you're grading the team, do you? Even look at fit when you're picking 10th based on, I know Trevon Diggs is my starter on the other side. I feel like Farley's a better athlete, but I feel like Diggs is a guy who's going to take some more chances, you know, and maybe, maybe Sertan being a little more safer. Do you, do you look that way if you're in a front office? I mean, that's interesting. Um, So you're saying because Farley, there might be a few more rough patches with him uh, in terms of him being over aggressive and maybe being caught out of position, uh, whereas Sertan's the more natural corner. 
Um, you're saying take maybe the more natural corner because Diggs is more of that risk taker. Um, and so instead of having two risk takers out there, maybe take one that's a little more uh, conservative, a little more uh, under control with what he's doing out there. It's just so they complement each other. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that. And I know it's like, I know it's not that simple, but I think the fact that Farley doesn't have 2020 tape. Right. Add, add into that mix makes me feel like Sertan's safer, even mm-hmm. though I think I like Farley as a prospect more. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's that's something that we're going to be talking about a lot the next few months with a lot of these opt outs, uh, you know, because how much what have these guys been doing the last year? You know, the, the last eight months, um, you know, obviously, I'm sure they've been working out. They've been. But just how are they better? Um, you know, Patrick Sertan was the SEC defensive player of the year. So I know what he's been doing. He's still got a game to play. Um, I, I can't wait to see him versus Chris Olave uh, on Monday night. Hopefully the game happens as uh, scheduled. Um, but that national title game is going to be bonkers. And the, one of the matchups that's going to be the best on the field that scouts are going to be glued to is that one. And, you know, we, there's a lot of uncertainty about the combine and, you know, what's going to happen. The combine starts Monday night. Because we're going to be able to see some big time uh, prospect matchups, and that Sertan Olave matchup is definitely one of them. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think there's something to what you're saying, um, and, it, and it's not just, doesn't just pertain to Farley and this cornerback conversation, but uh, you know, all these opt outs as a whole. I mean, you mentioned Michael Parsons earlier. Uh, he was a pass rusher, a defensive end running back in high school. And then he goes to Penn State, moves to linebacker, didn't start his first year, even though he still led the team in tackles, which is kind of crazy. And then he started as a sophomore and, you know, looked like he's on, you know, an upward trajectory, but then he doesn't play. So uh, this past year, because he opted out two years uh, as a starter at linebacker. And, you know, you, is that enough to take him in the top, uh, you know, 10 picks, uh, maybe for some, maybe not for others. And there's going to be a different appetite for risk with some of these players in terms of uh, these opt-outs, which really is going to make things interesting. So, uh, KT, a question I want I want to ask you about these corners. How close is uh, J.C. Horn uh, for you with with uh, Farley and Sertan? Is it a, a big gap or is Horn close? Could he... Could he maybe? Could we talk about maybe a, a big three at the top, or do you think there's a clear one, two, and then a little bit of a gap? I, I think it's a pretty wide gap, personally, and I know there's a lot of you know, big fans of J.C. Horn. I, I just worry about the the grabby down the field. We're going to we're going to get flagged. Like that's going to happen, and you hope that it gets better over time. Um, but I mean. The things you like about him, I mean, he he is a disruptive player. Uh, you know, if you're trying to c- complete a you know a, a ten yard stop route, he's coming. He's going to drive down and he's going to get in the catch radius and make a play. Uh, I, I just I just have a little ish, uh, a couple issues with just kind of you know eyes cheating to the backfield a few times and just kind of getting behind and grabbing to try to catch up. But the upside is there. You you obviously you know. Look at who his dad is too. You know he can play the game, right? Uh, and Joe Horn. I mean, I think there. I think there's a lot to like about J.C. Horn. But you know, I view him as if you're there at ten. And what if something happens? And what if um, what if Trey Lance is there uh, at ten? And you can get out of there, you know, and get some more picks. And I'm not saying run away from Sertan or Farley or Parsons or I might have Koromoa up there a little higher. Um, uh, I'm a big fan of Koromoa. 
uh, the from Notre Dame. But, you know, Horn is a guy, and I've got him, and I know there's, there's a bunch of guys. Kendrick from Clemson. The, the thing about the cornerback class that I like about is I think, so we pick at 10, let's say the Cowboys, uh, I believe 44 is their second pick. Um, I think you might have a guy there. I think you might be able to go corner there if you need to. Um, I don't know if it's starter. You know, I don't know you start getting, but there's a lot of names I've got. My second tier, J.C. Horn is the guy. Um, and then I've got, you know, I like Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell from Georgia. I've got Stokes graded a little higher. Um, but you see a little more athletic upside again with Tyson Campbell, a little longer, kind of a freak athlete. I love Asante Samuel. I don't know if they're going to go small. You know, I don't think they would do that. Darion Kendrick, I, I love like, I, I really, you know who else I, who I really like too, uh, we'll get a chance to watch him Monday night, is Job from Alabama. Now, has he declared? Not He has uh, not declared, no. And I get a, I just get a feeling he might stay another year um, because yeah. he hasn't declared yet. But watching him hold his own when teams are like, I'm not throwing at Sertan, it's like, well, we can't really throw at Job either because he's uh, having good coverage. Like I, I, I do, I guess I know I'm rambling here. There are a lot of good cornerback options. I think as you go to round one, two, and three, I feel very comfortable about the Cowboys' ability to get two cornerbacks in their top three picks if that's something they want to do. And I know that's something John and I have talked about a million times is we've got to address the secondary. Well, they the way they found Trevon did not found Trevon Diggs, but the way that he fell to them in the second round last year, uh, they might feel like, hey, let's let's see if we get lucky again, see what corners fall to us uh, in round two. It's certainly a possibility. And we, we, we've talked about it before. Diggs is one of the players they were considering at seventeen. So to get him then at what fifty one, I mean, it's they have to feel good about maybe one of these corners falling to them in the second round. And maybe you go with a, a different position in the first round, whether that's linebacker or offensive tackle, whatever it may be. So, yeah, this is there's a lot of different scenarios that the Cowboys could uh, attack this draft with. All right. Well, let's try and fix something that I know most of the fans would love to see happen. And we know this will not get fixed in the in the first or second round. So, Dane, you're gonna have to dig a little bit deeper here into the third or fourth. But can you find this team a safety that they can use in coverage that could complement Donovan Wilson. I feel like Donovan Wilson's pretty safe to be one of the starters next year, but it'd be really nice if you could have a safety that could potentially cover as well to maybe pair next to him. Uh, is there anybody that, because again, like if they were picking, if they were picking towards the end of, of the first and second round, I'd say, okay, I could see them late second round, maybe doing it. But if they're picking high in the second round, I don't see them doing it there. So is there anybody maybe in the third that could possibly fit? Well, we know this team likes the, the day two hurt guys, right? So <laughs> Andre, Andre Cisco from Syracuse, uh, I think that would be a, a really good fit. Cisco Cisco's really interesting because he, he, he played basically one year of varsity football in high school, um, you know, goes to Syracuse and he's a starter right away and he's a freshman All-American. He led the nation in, in interceptions. Uh, had seven as a freshman. Then as a sophomore, he had five interceptions. Uh, it was uh, led, the, led the ACC. Uh, this past year, he uh, hurt his his ACL. He, he tore his ACL after two games. So, uh, you know, he missed the most of this past season. And, you know, we don't know how much of him we'll see during the draft process. But he's got a lot of talent. Um, I, you know, I think he's... 
he, I think he's well-rounded. I mean, he's, he's, he's got that ball hawking mentality. I think he's got route recognition. Um, it really helps him put himself in position to make plays. Uh, he, he leverages well versus the run, even though I think he needs to be a little more controlled and consistent as a finisher. Um, and, and look, he's going to give up his share of plays. Um, you know, I think last year, 2019, he gave up like seven touchdowns. So, but there's a reason we're talking about him in the third round and not in the first, even with the injury. So he's going to give up some plays, but the range, the ball skills, the playmaking instincts. Um, yeah, I, I think that'd be worth taking the chance on in the third round. What about defensive line? Um, I know there's nothing, you know, when you're picking at 10, but you start talking about picking at 44. Um, I, I don't know. This team has shown defensive tackles, not an area they want to want to go most of the time. We have seen them fall in love with the edge rusher. So I guess I wouldn't rule out, uh, you know, Olajari from Georgia. Um, I guess we should probably include the Miami kids, uh, Gregory Rousseau and, and Jalen Phillips and Quiddy Pay from Penn State. I mean, there's a lot of guys to keep in there at 10. Um, but I think at like 44 and 75, the third round's an interesting area that they've gone in years past. Malik Collins, uh, I think about Neville Gallimore. That's been a kind of a defensive tackle sweet spot. Is there any names you could throw out there that uh, maybe come to mind that might be interesting for Cowboys fans to keep an eye on? Do you think they're looking for more? They'd be looking for more of a three or more of a nose? I think it or more I mean, of like a, a five or, you know, uh, what, 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 what type of defensive tackle do you think you're, they'd be looking for there? You know, it's hard to know until they, you know, yeah, fire the no defensive kidding. coordinator or whatever they're going <laughs> right. to do. De- yeah. assume, assume they need a nose right now. Okay. See, I, don't, I don't think that they would take a nose. I don't think they they would take a nose that early though. Even that's in the, like that's the third, my, I still don't think they. I think they would want somebody to have some pass rush to them, or they would just yeah. wait till later to get that type of guy. Because gotcha. I just find it hard to believe that they're going to watch over. This is they've been telling us this is their they're looking back and they're going to go over all the film from last. I don't know how you go over that film from last this past season and think that yeah, let's go back to doing this three four stuff with with. Uh, to Marcus Lawrence, like right. he seems to be the best fit at a four three, so I feel like that they could potentially go back to that. So I would think if they if they're going second or third round of defensive tackle, it would have to have, be someone that's got some pass rush to him. Well, yeah, and that's that's obviously going to be a, a big variable here to see what they do with the defense scheme wise, coach wise. Um, there's some interesting defensive tackles on day two. I mean, we might have one drafted in the first round. Uh, you know, maybe two at the absolute most, but on day two, there, there's some interesting options. Uh, a, a guy that I like, who's uh, is a local kid from Allen, Levi Onozerki yeah. from Washington. Woo. Who, yeah, he's he's a fun player. I mean, he was like a uh, he was really light in high school. I mean, he he gained a lot of weight, packed on I like something 40, 45 pounds. Um, he was like 250, 260 pounds in, in high school, and uh, he's just a, he's a guy that was asked to play nose tackle for at Washington. And so the stats don't look great. I mean, he, in like uh, his three years, cause he, again, another opt out. So in his first three years, he, he totaled like 16 tackles for a loss. So just not obviously a great number, but the, when you watch the tape and see how he was used, he, he wasn't asked to just kind of let loose, but I love the violence that he plays with. Um, he's, he's a guy that just fires off the snap consistently makes plays away from his square because he has the range. He has the motor. Um, I, I think that just calling him active, it just, it it just doesn't do him justice because you know, he's, he's a twitchy big man and he plays fast. He's got physical hands. Uh, he just needs to be a little more controlled. His attack needs to be a little bit more leveraged. 
uh, needs to stay off the ground. So it just needs to clean up some things. But I don't know, probably, and I don't think he's going to last until the third. I think he's more of a second uh, second round guy. But if they're looking for a three technique, if they're looking for a guy that can be a gap splitter and create havoc and just, you know, the type of guy that the offensive lines have to prepare for, I, I think he could be that guy on day two. He kind of reminds me of, he's lighter, but he kind of reminds me of Kenny Clark coming out of UCLA, uh, kind of the way he plays like laterally, sometimes just moving guys. But what I would say, too, is like, I don't know if they can go, yeah, Tristan Hill definitely are starting. Like, I don't know if they can do that. Like, I think it should be an open competition. So they need to get a body in there. I want to get to Kent. And John, if you have some more, it's fine. But I want to get to Kent real quick. Kent's got a question for Mr. Dane Brugler. Yeah, it's it's kind of along the lines of, of what John was asking earlier in the fact that um, – you know, I'm looking. I'm looking at the middle of this draft. I'm looking day two and day three for the Cowboys. And you know, given the fact that we don't really know how Mike McCarthy drafts in the first round, again, since C.D. Lamb, I feel like was such an outlier. I don't really know his instincts in the first round. So, so where the Cowboys have historically in the past, you know, decade or so done well is in the third, fourth, fifth round. You know, uh, in recent years, Tony Pollard, Michael Gallup, uh, you know, Jordan Lewis, of course, Dak, in that round as well. Um, what position groups, Dane, are really deep in this draft where you can pick up quality players in the third and fourth rounds of this draft where the talent level is going to be so high that um, they're going to have to look hard, even if they don't particularly need that position in this draft? I think I might go pass rusher. Um, oh, that's and, good. Yeah, and, and this is a, a, a draft that you know we, we mentioned at the top. It doesn't We, we don't have that, that lock top 10 pick at pass rusher this year. The the Chase Youngs, the Bosa's, uh, the Miles Garretts, we don't have that guy this year. But even though we we don't have that clear-cut top guy, I think it's still a pretty good class because, and KT rattled them off earlier with uh, Audulary, Quiddy Pay, uh, Gregor Rousseau. Uh, I really like Jason Oway from Penn State. Uh, the traits are just unbelievable with him. Joseph Osai. I mean, we go on and on, but... It doesn't. I don't think there's a huge drop off necessarily when you go second, third, fourth round. Um, I, I really like uh, Rashad Weaver from Pitt. Um, he's a fun player. Uh, Peyton Turner out of Houston. Uh, Notre Dame's got a pair of guys. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, you, when you look even into the fourth round, the, the beginning stages of day three, because there's. It's just a group that when you stack them, it, you like you know you you think you really like a guy, and then when you stack them, you're like, oh wow, he's my 18th best pass rusher, just because there's there's so many different players ahead of him that you just don't know how to fit them all in, and so because of that, a few of these guys might get pushed down maybe further than we thought they would, and so you're gonna be able to find some quality defensive ends, pass rushers, third, fourth round. Does that? Um is it the opposite with the, the defensive backs in this draft? Is it a really top-heavy defensive back draft? So where if the Cowboys are going to get a DB, they need to go, they need to go early, and then you know maybe get pass rush help late. Yeah, I mean, I I think probably. I mean, I think there's there's corners that you can find in every round this year, just because there's so many of them. Um, but it, it's probably not as deep uh, as pass rusher, and I do think there's a little bit of a drop off after the top. 10, 11, 12 corners. And then I think that's where the drop-off really starts. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, guys that you're really hoping uh, hit when, you know, they, it's hard to have confidence in that. Safety, safety is so tough because it's, 
who knows if we'll have a first round safety, you know, could Trevon Morig, the TCU safety get in there? Maybe it's possible. I mean, Javon Holland, there, some scouts believe he's a top 50 guy, uh, the Oregon nickelback safety. Um, I mentioned Cisco, um, I, you know, who knows what's gonna happen with a guy like Sean Wade from Ohio state who played outside corner this year, but played it poorly. Uh, he, he's going to move back inside either to a nickel or a safety role. Um, I, I think that the the senior bowl this year is going to, I think, help with a lot of these senior safeties. I, I really like Richie Grant from UCF, um, you know, uh, Richard LeCount from, from Georgia. There's some guys that I think have talent and I like. It's just, you know, I, I want to see them. I see a little bit more of them to really be on board with them as, you know, the, the third, fourth round uh, range type of safeties. John, take us home. Oh, I was just going to get uh, one more. If you could, in the third or fourth round, I would be so on board with if they moved on from Jalen Smith, finding <laughs> another Anthony Hitchens. Like, yeah. I, I'm just not a big fan of, I don't think you need to have uh, just first round picks all in your linebackers. I just, I'm not, a, I'm just not a huge fan on that position. So um, can you find me somebody in like maybe the fourth round that, you know, Hitchens worked out so well because they were able to kind of play him right away. And it's not like you're not you're not expecting to like take over games or anything like that. But, you know, just a really solid starter, just a good, you know, solid player that you can, you know, kind of plug and play. Yeah, no, I, I definitely I think this group has uh, several linebackers like that um, who could potentially fill that role. I, I will say, though. I know how much the Cowboys like Zayvon Collins. So that's a name I would not rule out in the first round, even as high as 10. I, I don't think you could rule him out. I think he would be uh, an interesting, especially if they stay with a 3-4. I, I think he he would really fit what they're, what they're looking to do. So Zayvon Collins is a name to keep an eye on. Uh, but if if they do wait um, until the third or fourth round, um, you know, the, Jabril Cox from LSU uh, is a fun player who uh, – he had all the reason in the world to opt out. He's a North Dakota State kid, but no, he decided to transfer to LSU uh, because he wanted to be challenged. And he has his ups and downs as he adjusted the SEC, but all in all, he played well uh, in coverage against the run. Uh, so I think Jabril Cox is a uh, one of those guys in the third round. Uh, Monty Rice at Georgia, he's uh, a really, really aggressive downhill player plays with his hair on fire, uh, that killer mentality that you want at the position. I mean, he, I think he's probably more of a Mike linebacker, uh, but you know, he's a guy that you could probably get in the, in the fourth round and you know, he's going to be uh, an immediate contributor for you. And then uh, one more player I'll mention is Baron Browning from Ohio State. And we'll have a chance to watch him on Monday night in the national title game as well. Former five-star kid from Texas uh, who is still putting everything together. I mean, he's always had the traits, the physical traits, uh, the movement skills. Uh, the anticipation is still is still growing and still developing, but I don't think he's played his best football yet. And, you know, I, he can cover, he can drop, he can you can keep him on the field all three downs. So, uh, you know, he might go a little bit earlier. I mean, he could sneak into that second round, but if he were available at the top of three, um, you know, I, I think he'd be an excellent addition to that, what they're looking uh, looking to do on defense, especially if they uh, part ways with Smith. What about the kid from Clemson, Skalski? Is that kid like not even draftable? Like, I like think how he's, does he... He's probably more of a late-round guy. I mean, he's a... a, a, a remember Ben Bullware from Clemson a couple years ago? He's kind yeah. of similar, you know, that... Uh, not to you know try and you know lump them these Clemson linebackers together, but you know he's uh, a try hard guy who's just an average athlete. 
I don't know that I want him alone on an island with, you know, a tight end or uh, my running back. But, you know, he's he, he might I think he'll end up being a, a guy that just makes it, you know, a guy that sticks on the back end of a roster, probably plays a lot of special teams. Um, but I, I think that with what you're talking about, third, fourth round, I think that'd be a little rich for him. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely didn't mean that. I just I was wondering if he was like a late round guy just because of the fact that their defense just looked a lot better when he was on the field and no, yeah. not so great when he wasn't out there. And the Cowboys already have a linebacker that you don't really want to have in space against a running back. or ah. But anyway, go on. Sorry. What? Well, no, the two things I want to add real quick because Dane hit on a couple things. And then, Dane, I know we got to let you go. Uh, no, you're good. You're well, good. One, you mentioned uh, Browning from Ohio State, but also yep. we also earlier in the podcast mentioned how the Cowboys will take a hurt guy. A guy who hasn't yeah. looked the same because he got Dylan Moses from Alabama, too. There like, you go. You're going to get to see him on Monday night. So just keep your eyes open for him. And maybe he's a guy yeah. who falls down the board because his tape has not been very good uh, at times. Yeah. Um, Kyle, Kyle Pitts made sure of that. And, and I'm glad you mentioned Zayvon Collins because, you know, 10 might seem early to some people. They have been in love with him for a long time, back to when they were scouting, you know, Reggie Robinson uh, last yep. year, who somehow couldn't get on the field this year. But that's, <laughs> you know, I'll save that rant for another day. Um, or it's already been done, maybe. That rant's been done. So, um, all right. Well, so uh, I guess, uh, I mean, I mean, I've got a million questions, but I don't like, you know, we got to let you go. Like, that's just. All right. Well, we, just gotta, <laughs> we just got to do it again then. For Let's sure, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, I know. Anytime you guys want, I'd love to hop on with you guys. So, yeah, there, there are plenty of storylines we'll be talking about the next few months. Uh, you know, eager to see this national title game, to see, uh, you know, Justin Fields, how he changes the narrative. Uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun here. Hopefully we get more details on the Senior Bowl, the Combine. Uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, let, let's uh, let's do this again. Dane, thank you so much. You're the best, dude. You are the best. Uh, make sure you check out Prospects to Pros and, of course, all the work, uh, you know, articles that he's been writing for The Athletic as well. And even if, you know, haven't seen anything new, you can go back and read some of his old stuff in the last three months and it's still relevant to this day. That is Dane Brugler. Give him a follow, too, at DP Brugler. Thank you, Dane. Love you, buddy. All right. See you, guys. There he goes. Dane Brugler. Yeah. Can't believe me. That was him. That was the guy. Can you believe it? <laughs> That was him. Uh, <laughs> he's the one. Somebody. He's the, he's the goat. <laughs> yeah, what a beast. And that's the name of his book, The Beast. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, so here's what I found, Ken. We were going to talk about our uh, end of season bets. I'm scared. Well, so we we had an episode where we were all like, we we were like, oh, we're going to put a win total out there. 
that turned out to be dangerous given what happened this year <laughs> with the six and ten. But I have what we did. We went through and we did the entire NFL, like who's going to win the divisions, right? And yeah. we also did the non-quarterback draft. Do you remember that one, the non-DAC draft? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember I that. And I remember uh, we did a we did we did another bet as well. We had a couple yeah. of bets that stacked mm-hmm. up on there. I'll remember it here while we're while we're going. It's well the win total. Oh one. no, we did like coach of the year and all that type of stuff. Yeah, I have yeah. that, and I'm yeah, that's what thrilled. I'm about. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no. I'm glad. Okay. Well, this is going to be fun, right? Let's start with Sod since he's not here, right? Start with the non uh, non uh, hot sauce related bets that we had. See, Get to the that, big daddy later. That is the other problem. Is what was the bet here? <laughs> the the hot sauce bet was the um, M- was the schedule M- bet was the one we did in May. I think yeah, it was had the worst record. It was the one who was most accurate to what they picked um, in May, basically. Yes. Well, I was six and ten. Uh, I picked ten and six, so I'm opposite. I gotta hope I have some some of those wins line up there. Um, I, I you have think to do I was some eleven and five. Yeah, I think yeah, I you was were definitely 11. the highest. I remember that for sure. So I'm the one that's furthest away. I don't think it's necessarily furthest away. No, rather, it is the games you picked. Did you pick those right? So I don't know if we'll have to do that live here or get back to the, to the well, list. Well, that's the problem. That. Is I I went through. I, I have it. I have it. Well, well do you want to do you want to um, no, make it. the make something else the hot sauce bet then? No, something I found it easier we're, to graduate here. Okay. So I I picked them to go eleven and five. John Sod and Kent all picked ten and six. Now, so I would lose based on that, but by game, does that change anything? That's what I'm saying. Should it, John? Whatever, do, do whatever you think, it is, you think your that chances get me are to better? not. Whatever, whatever improves my chances, we go <laughs> That's with that. What I'm asking, what's your gut say? What is, I my gut I, says I want out because I, I'm not going to be able to handle this. <laughs> That's what my gut says. You just had. It's it's between us four. I think Sod was in on this, so we're holding Sod accountable too. Right. And I'm pretty sure I signed up for like no hot sauce thing. I think I signed up for like something like a mustache. Uh, or you and I were dyeing M- our hair. M and M. M and M. We were doing a bleach bleaching so our hair. Forget that. And Sod and J- John were doing the hot sauce. And the hot Dang sauce. It. What we'll do is we'll we'll rec- make sure we'll record the video of that and we'll. Um, We'll do it live on the air so that you can not only hear the audio glory of that in your headphones as you're jogging and walking your dogs, but uh, we'll post a little video clip, too, on our YouTube page of, of the Hot Sauce Bet payoff. There we go. Well, so that's so what the it. finals were. So Rams, week one, right? I said they would lose. John said they went. John was the only one who said they would win that game. And they lost. Right? Oh, they did. John, tough one. So, but overall, John's going to end up fine, I think. Um, okay, Atlanta. We all said they would win, and they won. Watermelon yeah, game. And I said they would do a watermelon kick. <laughs> yeah, you said that. You sh- you know what? You might be exempt. You might I be. Had, <laughs> actually had watermelons too, but it wasn't uh, watermelon kick. But since he did smash watermelons, <laughs> do I get credit? Uh, but later in the season, maybe. <laughs> uh, week three, Seattle. We all said loss. And guess what? They lost. Guys, week four is where we ran into a bit of a buzzsaw. We all said they would beat Cleveland at home, and they didn't. So, I'm so now we're all even, except John has the first loss. Yeah. So, John's John still in, in, 
still yeah. in the lead or the opposite of the lead. Yeah, well, that is not the lead. Yeah, we'll keep going. <laughs> we all said that they would beat the Giants, and they did in week five, right? That game. Wait, they won that game, right? Yeah, they did. There we mm-hmm. go. Got it there. Sorry. Uh, week six, Cardinals. Sod said they would lose, and they did, and then they really got ran out of the stadium. But us three here who are present today said they would win that game. Oh, so that one, John, that you almost hurts. had us there. <laughs> that one hurts. Uh, let's go to Washington, the first Washington game. John is the one who said they would lose. The rest of us said they would win. Oh, man. Now we're even. Oh, jerk. Dang. Sunday night, Philadelphia. We all predicted a loss. And guess what? We predicted a loss before we knew it was a Danucci game. And <laughs> how about that? So take the loss there. Uh, November 8th, Pittsburgh. Uh, everyone predicted a win except for Kent. Kent said it would be a Dang loss. Dang it. And oh, it I was. Win. Yeah, yeah so you get the point there. that's good. That's good. Sorry, get I was get, my fan fan me took over there. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not going to be in this, Kent. Like I know for a fact. No, the, like, no. As the I, season I, went I'm on, scared. you finished. No, no, you finished first. But go on. No. Uh, by week, Minnesota. Everyone said they would beat Minnesota except for John Mashota. So John comes through with the win there because they lost to Minnesota, of course. Uh, no, did they? Wait, wait, wait. wait. No, they beat Minnesota. Yeah, they beat Minnesota. That was, that, they smashed watermelons yeah. that game. Yes, yes, yes. There's three of us. Me, Sod, and Kent said they would win. John said they would lose. Right. Tough one for John. So I'm in last place right now. I'm one behind. Thanksgiving Day. Everyone said they would win. The wild card uh, guest for halftime show, uh, I submitted Lee Bryce and Kent submitted Blake Shelton would be the halftime show. And... You know, technically, they did have a country music guy. It was Kane like, Brown. That was kind of the mid. It was a middle. So that's a tie, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The, the literal in between of those guys. <laughs> I don't know why John and Sod, they're like, I'm not going to name a country music guy. Because I just uh, wanted you guys to change the subject. I did not care. <laughs> John's in the other room now. John's like, John's room. like, John's like, if it's not Creed again, I'm out. Um, at Baltimore, Thursday night football. To be honest this- with you, there was nobody that performed at halftime. Oh, I was at the stadium. Nobody performed when, when we were at the stadium. There was there was there a recording? Did anyone project that? No, they didn't. Next next subject, go. Baltimore, Thursday night. Here. We don't have to do that. We all said they would lose. Now, Cincinnati, we all said they would win. San Francisco, we all said they would lose. Philadelphia, we all said they would win. And then the Giants in Week 17, we all said they would win. And they didn't. But for the last five weeks of the season, we all last six games of the season, we basically all predicted the same thing to protect ourselves. So, Kent, what does the score say on that? Father John, looks like you're one point down. Yeah, but I will be checking. We'll be checking back on this. I wrote this all down, and I remember that the guest picker didn't even pick every game. There's a lot of technicalities no, we on did this whole it. thing. We, so we had two. We had we had kind of two picks going on. So we had that yeah. one that we just did, and then we also. I, me, I knew I didn't want to eat this. The, Okay, well, I remember we're going to do the chip or not. And I was, 
And I, I just remember that I was, I was, we, me and the guest <laughs> picker both up. finished last. I believe me, I remember this. Why do you think I picked the exact same for the last four or five games? Because I knew that it, I couldn't get any worse than what they were. <laughs> and if you go back and check the tapes, you said that the person that had to do this was going to have to be last by themselves. It couldn't be a tie. Believe me, we'll run it back. No, you're I not a tie. You are last down. by yourself. You have one. You're one. No, one point no, no. Down I have this us. all written down. Believe me, right. I saved this- all this on my phone. Okay. I have this written down, and I also emailed this to Kent. All right, these are kind of NFL okay. predictions. Oh, I know the picks started. are written down, but the the rules of the game are what's getting. Uh, yeah, no, we'll go back and listen to that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it is what all documented. Um, okay, so let's quickly let's uh, be fast on this one because it's not it, it's the uh, the non DAC draft real quick just to see how it works. No, what out. are the uh, what are what are the coach of the year? Uh, oh, that one. Okay, I got that right here. Here we go. Yeah. John said Bill Belichick. He's not going to win it. Uh, Kent said Mike McCarthy. Um, He's going to win, guys. Still got a chance. Sod went with Kingsbury, and I went with Sean McVay. Mm. So, bad news bears. No one. Yes. Um, No one gets that point. Rookie of the year. John went with CeeDee Lamb. He won't win it, but that's not a bad pick. He's probably... Was it, would you say that he was probably the third best wide rookie wide receiver? Justin Jefferson was number one, and then maybe, Claypool. you know, then maybe a, yeah, maybe a Claypool and C.D. Lamb coin toss. Kent went with Joe Burrow, and you know, could have been a good year for Joe, but sometimes bad things happen. Uh, Saad went with Tua, um, and I went with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, it's probably neither. Jefferson's probably your clear rookie of the year, I would guess, right? Or yeah, Herbert? I think you're probably the closest. Oh, it's Herbert. KT. It's not even close. It's, it's Herbert. It's, He's running Herbert's away with it. Herbert's going to win it, but um, Over Herbert Jefferson? is winning that thing so oh, yeah. easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. Jefferson broke all of Randy Moss's records. Like No quarterback, no rookie quarterback has ever thrown for more touchdowns in the rookie season than Justin Herbert this year. Randy he has Moss. like three or four all-time r- rookie records. Randy Moss, great. He's the second best wide receiver of all time. Joe, Justin Herbert has topped all the records of all of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Believe well, me, Justin Herbert's walking away with that. Look, look at expectation, too. I mean, they drafted Jefferson to be the Diggs replacement. They didn't expect Justin Herbert to be the starter for this two or coach three more years. He didn't want to start him to start the yeah, season. He, he, wasn't, he, was he wasn't even in the cards in, in it, July. It took, a you sh- know? it took a shot from their team doctor to Tyrod Taylor to... I mean, total sabotage. People forget about how bad that was. Total yeah, sabotage. It's Herbert. It's not close. And of course, way easier to step in as a rookie wide receiver than it is a rookie quarterback. Uh, comeback story of the year. Everyone loves a good comeback story. John had Cam Newton. Oh, uh, Kent. Oh. Ding, ding, ding. Alex Smith. Nice. Sod went with Tom Brady, and I, I don't know that we should have allowed that, but. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went with Alden Smith. How did how did Tom how was Tom able to win with with that awful team? Yeah, yeah like he has no help. Allowed that. Uh, I went with Alden Smith, so I probably you know maybe I'll finish in the top five there. But Kent will get the point there, of course. NFC. You were looking good after three after three after three weeks, KT. You were looking great. I know, I know it. Is he just going to follow Mike Nolan? Is he going to like what happens there? I don't even know. Um, I don't know. We'll man. talk about that later on. We have more podcasts yeah. coming down the pike here on the Athletic, of course. NFC East picks, guys. All four of us picked the Dallas Cowboys. Hmm. Bum, bum, NFC West. 
John, San Francisco. Kent, Seattle. Saad, Seattle. KT, San Francisco. So, Kent gets the point. We go to the NFC North. Green Bay. Kent for John. Green Bay for John. Minnesota for Kent. Saad went with Green Bay. I picked Minnesota. Oh, my God. Uh, so, still missing That's there. That's tough. And then in, tough one. in the South, we all picked New Orleans except for Saad, who picked Tampa Bay. So, we'll all get the point for New Orleans. To the AFC, John says Buffalo. Kent says Buffalo. Saad said Miami. I said Buffalo. So, another point for us, guys. Great job. We go to the AFC West. We all picked Kansas City, of course. We go to the AFC North. Baltimore for John. Baltimore for Kent. In fact, Baltimore for all of us. We all picked Baltimore. We all missed there. Pittsburgh, mm. uh, of course, in the north. And then in the south, John said Tennessee. Kent said Tennessee. Sod said Tennessee. And I went with Indy because I'm a jerk. Um, <laughs> but that was close. Like, that, uh, division no, that, was, was, you know, that was a risky one going into the year. Who, knows, who knew what Tannehill was going to be this year? You know, and he, he came through. My now, our... Are all of our Super Bowl picks still valid? Here's our Super Bowl predictions. John said Kansas City over New Orleans. So that's still open. Uh, Kent said Kansas City over Seattle. So that's still open. Sod said Kansas City over Seattle. And I said Baltimore over New Orleans. And that looks worse by the minute. Well, the Baltimore did come on strong at the end of the year there a little bit. At this so. point in time, I want it to be Kansas City against Green Bay. That's what I wanted. I want to see Aaron Rodgers against Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. That'll be that'll be my ideal matchup. What about you guys? Yeah, I went, I was really all about that when David Bakhtiari was still healthy, and now I'm just kind of a little skeptical. But uh, that's a big piece to lose. But uh, I would be fine with either uh, Kansas City for sure, and but then on the other side, I'd be fine with either. New Orleans or Green Bay, which I think will be the NFC Championship game. Yeah, yeah you know, Buffalo has become so fun to watch. Uh, there's all the, the stuff they're doing on offense. They have become really fun to watch. So I, I think anything that involves Kansas City or Buffalo, I think is is fun. You know, I, I you know, I'm a Packers fan, right? So, like, obviously. But, like, I, I also think there's some interesting things of, and when you start looking at matchups. Mahomes versus Brady, we actually got to see earlier in the year. Mahomes versus Russell Wilson. You know, could be very interesting, very fun. So, like, you know, those types of things. I, I always look for, you know, what's the quarterback matchup? Is it some classic thing? That's what I, what I really want, and I think that's the best, you know, type of thing. I, I really don't want to see Tom Brady in the Super Bowl again, but it is a good story just because, you know, no one thought he was going to end up in Tampa Bay, right? Like, this is kind of crazy and surreal that that happened, but it's been a crazy how's the, surreal uh, year. How's the Packer fan feeling, you KT? You nervous? I mean, I, you know, I think I think the week off, uh, it's interesting. So yesterday I was walking into work and uh, they were recording a podcast. It was uh, Skin Wade and Derek Harper. They were recording a podcast and I started talking to Derek Harper. And Derek Harper is a guy who played, uh, you know, former Mavericks point guard and TV analyst now. But he's like, my first love is football. So we were just talking football. And he's like, look, he goes, I know the, the odds don't add up, but I'm a big proponent of if you're playing well and you're hot, to keep on going. I'm a big proponent of that. And the odds will tell you it's just really hard to win four football games in a row. So if you can make it three, sure. Losing the left tackle hurts. I just think 
Right now, I think Green Bay benefits from not having fans more than any other team in the league. If they get a evening or night game at Lambeau Field with no fans, that place is turned into Haunted Hollow. If you've seen any of those games at night, it is dark and it is quiet and you can hear everything and Aaron Rodgers is trying to get people to jump off sides. Like, I think they're, I still think they're the favorites uh, because I think, I think when you're scheming these things, and I wish we were talking about the Cowboys in the playoffs, but I, I think you can scheme New Orleans. New Orleans has a good defense, but I think you know they can't throw it 20 yards down the field if it's an outdoors, if it's an outdoors game. Uh, I want to see teams adjust to that. And, I, I do. I think Tampa Bay is the most dangerous team, though. The Antonio Brown, like people aren't even talking about that, and like I, I still have my questions about whether he should be allowed to play or not because of some unsolved off the field stuff. And it's also weird that Tom Brady's like, "Hey, just live at my house with said off the field stuff that you can dive into on your own." But like, dude had eleven catches last week, and he is getting in the end zone. And like, if Mike Evans is good to go. That defense is pretty stout, finds a way to get to the quarterback. I, I think Tampa Bay is danger Russ. With, really? With Washington standing in their way? Exactly. <laughs> you look at uh, New Orleans, too, and talk about home exactly. field advantage. Uh, nobody's really played with fans this year. Somebody has to go, you know, Chicago has to go down there and play with yeah. probably thirty or 40,000 fans in the Superdome, and that could probably be pretty loud, you know, even, even at, at 30% capacity or whatever. So... Yeah, it's a tough road for any team in the NFC, but it might face a buzzsaw coming to face the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But you guys think any team's going to give them a, a run, give them a run in the AFC? Maybe, maybe Buffalo. Yeah, I, I think Buffalo's the only one, yeah. and that makes sense. I mean, they're they're rolling right now. And Tennessee, Tennessee's offense is. Whew. Yeah, I mean, anybody can have a bad game, and 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 Kansas City could be off. I mean. Mm. Them, I mean, basically, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is going to go three weeks without playing. So there's always going to be some rust there, some reason, whatever. I just, I just think he's the best player in the NFL. And when the chips are down, give me him all day long. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is right there with him, but um, I still, I give, I give Mahomes the edge. And then the other part of it too is just Andy Reid is just phenomenal, and I think they're like they are just the best matchup together. And so uh, they've won, they've blown teams out, good teams. And they've won on the road, and they can win tight games too, like they did in the Super Bowl with with big plays when the game's on the line against really good defenses like the 49ers had last year. I I, I can't pick against Kansas City. No, no I'm with you. There can't you pick against them, but I will say like it is interesting that you know like a Derrick Henry can take over a game, and we've seen them get the read option going. Weirdly, Tannehill's a pretty good scrambler. You know, um, it's kind of and you know that I mean, dude, that that. The Baltimore-Tennessee game is going to be a blast on Sunday because you know that Baltimore can go win that game even though you have some questions about their offense at times. I just it's, – it's, it's going to be fun. We got triple oh, yeah. header, dudes. Triple header. Can't believe it. It's going to be good. Hey, but, you know, listeners might be wondering, is the podcast going to be going away? Is you know, What's the cadence going to be in the offseason? Well, we're going to be coming at you uh, next Monday with reasons – to be optimistic about the Dallas Cowboys going forward. And then we're following that up after that with reasons to be pessimistic in in the following episode. So that'll be coming at you and we'll have some special guests booked along the way. So you're going to want to stay subscribed to the, to this feed on Spotify, on Apple, wherever you listen to the show, because uh, we're going to still be doing podcasts during the off season. It'll be good. 
Can't can't wait to, to get it going. We're gonna have some good things, you know. You know, Cowboy fans are probably disappointed with the six and ten, but excited about the draft and we'll always be there and you know, we'll have uh you know the reasons to get positive about the team. I've been thinking about it, you know. And you know what? Sometimes it feels gloom and doom with this team. No, no, no. That's a good good idea. So yeah. well that'll be a fun podcast to roll out next time. Some things to be optimistic about, right? Oh yeah. Hope so. Um, hope, I hope so. I hope, I hope it's not five minutes long. Let's just hope. <laughs> I hope so too. If we run out, that'd be really bad. <laughs> um, now the thing, well, the pessimistic one that we uh, that we do, you know, if you feel like you got your lines, uh, you know, you got. I got I my know columns. You, my notes you remember are full. We did a little airing of grievances episode last yeah. year, and it'll be similar to that. You know, just wire things the way they are, and we'll bring some we'll bring some hard evidence to the table. Challenge, challenge our hosts to bring some hard evidence for their arguments, and it'll be good. So that'll start next week. Festivus, man, Festivus. Uh, for Father John Mashoda, who you should all be following on Twitter at John Mashoda. Some people will ask. He's got no H in his first name, J O N, and the H comes in his last name, M A C H O T A. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter. Always cranking out good cowboy content. Uh, for our producer Kent Garrison, I'm KT. And I am for the ghost of Sod. Oh, and also thanks to Dane Brugler for joining us as well. This has been another edition of About Them Cowboys. See you next time. Y'all stay corona free, all right? And God bless.